What's happening guys and welcome back to another episode of Health and Hustle Podcast with your host, online fitness coach Kyle Young and 9to5er David Sala. David mate, what's it been like? The weather has been incredible <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. You've been getting those one hour walks in. Do you know what mate, I actually am to be fair, I've, it's something I want to make more of part of my, my regular routine when lockdown's over. I'm actually enjoying the walks but um, I've, I've actually started running again as well kind of intermittently. Uh, try to get my time for my, my 5k down to 20 minutes but that's proven to be very very difficult well this is this is really interesting actually because we've had a bit of a conversation in the past about um a potential challenge the pod Healthy, uh, yes, coming down. And, and today's guest might actually be the first person that we challenge so uh once we get a couple of challenges up and running i think we'll need to get this guy on but um so today we've actually got a very special guest um it's a bit of a funny story how i know this guy so uh, back in the day i think it was about 16 at the time i ended up doing some selling with an insurance company uh, called ensley um I, this was whilst i was working for new look um obviously the retail company and i was introduced to colin a few years later down the line, um, we get introduced on LinkedIn again. Uh, we kind of touched base, seeing how things were going. And then um, we found out that our offices were actually beside each other in the city centre of Glasgow, which is absolutely odd. Um, and I, I just one day I just thought, Do you know what, I've not, not heard from Colin in a while. Popped him into Instagram and realised it was absolutely killing it with some um, really, really good content on fitness and business. Um, and do you know what? We kind of reached out and we've just been chatting ever since. So um, really excited to have uh, Colin, Colin on the podcast today. Um, Colin, welcome to the podcast and uh, give us a wee bit of an introduction. Yeah, of course. Firstly, thanks very much for having me on, Kyle. Thanks very much for having me on, David. Really appreciate the, the invite. And like you say, it's a it's funny how we know each other. It would have been a long time ago now, maybe 2013 when I was working. That would have been my last year being temporary at Ensley before I actually joined full-time when I finished uni. So yeah, that would have been a, a while ago now, Kyle, when we were both selling insurance policies direct to students back in the day. <laughs> Do you know, I think, I think the, the integrity back then maybe wasn't as strong as it was now because uh, what we were doing was, uh, just to put things into perspective, is uh, we had some... Uh, mostly international students coming into uh, student accommodation and we're selling them insurance for uh, the likes of their laptops etc um, but see to be fair I, I don't know nine out of ten times that they ever used insurance but then again that's a, that's a different uh, insight um, but the funny thing is you are still in the insurance business and uh, you're obviously a, a lot more professional uh, than you were causing absolute scenes back in Ensley but uh, tell us a wee bit about that. Yeah, of course. So to give a bit of a background, uh, yeah, I'm still within the insurance industry. After I, I did that kind of face-to-face um, business-to-customer sales with in that space, Kyle, I joined Ensley's account management team where I was working, after I finished uni, I was working dealing with our accommodation partners across the UK. One of the fastest growing industries in the UK is student accommodation in terms of suppliers providing high-quality accommodation to students. And I was doing the the insurance for that effectively and after four and a half years of doing that I'd grown quite significantly the book of business I was looking after the number of partners I was looking after and I wanted to move into a space where I was dealing with bigger premiums bigger risks more complex insurance and ultimately the opportunity for me to look after more income and be a more valuable employee despite the fact that I had grown my book to a really decent size I couldn't quite see where the next step was within that business and 
With that meant I meant I moved to Marsh, which is the world's biggest insurance broker for B2B business. And what I do there is I work as a risk advisor to corporate companies with a turnover of 15 million pounds and over in a range of industries. So retail, manufacturing, uh, construction, food, food processing, you name it, we, 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 we're involved in it. And my role is very much new business where we look to get in touch with finance directors, managing directors of big businesses that we don't already provide risk advice to and don't already place their risk in the insurance market. Amazing. And tell us a wee bit about uh, how you got into the fitness industry because obviously back in the day when I uh, managed to, to find you on Instagram, etc., you were kind of killing it with your brother. Am I right in saying? Yep, that's right. Tell us a wee so, bit about that. So fitness-wise, fitness has always been a huge part of my life. However, my main focus in fitness as a, as a, as a kid, so to speak, during secondary school was, was rugby. So rugby was a big focus for me, playing a decent level for my club side west of scotland and playing some regional stuff as well as you grow and mature within the rugby space you have to get involved in strength and conditioning to remain competitive look at the size of the professional players for example and that's no different when you're an age group player i certainly wouldn't fancy rugby <laughs> yeah it was it, it was even at junior age rugby obviously you all grow at different rates with puberty and whatnot so you might play against a a 16 year old who is considerably more developed than you and so you need to try and keep up from that respect so they got us in the gym doing our strength conditioning at 16 which is a good age to start training because you've not you've not really got any bad habits with respect to weight training and you have you're not as impressed you're still impressionable but you're not as impressionable as if you are a young guy going into a commercial gym and you've maybe got some of the biases around you so it was very much quite a structured training program that we had and it was a great start and a great education to form movements and just generally trying to get really strong. However, as I grew older and you got to do more of your own sessions, you do fall into that classic gym bro environment where you train a lot more chest and arms. And to be fair, we're training a lot of legs as well, but you weren't training your full body. So a lot of muscle groups were neglected like your back and your rear delts in particular and in a sport like rugby where you are continuously taking contact in your shoulder I started to get some injuries and I was probably 19 so second year at university when I started they were starting to get quite quite bad in terms of I was getting quite a rounded shoulder impingement and a lot of that was driven by an imbalance between my chest in terms of its strength and my upper back and my ability to externally rotate my shoulder as well and we were lucky the club I was at, at the time was, was, was a good club and we were well looked after. So a lot of the physio support that we got was excellent. But I found myself getting to a stage where I was falling more in love with the time I was spending rehabbing and training and changing my body physically than I was playing rugby, which is only going to end one way where rugby took a back, took a back seat, I stopped playing and I was in the gym four or five, six times a week and burying myself in YouTube. Fitness YouTube was just blown up around that time, maybe 2012, 2013. There was a lot of guys posting really good content and I was learning so much and understanding about macros, training programs, different splits, different exercises. And that kind of is <laughs> quite corny. At the time, there was a bit of an aesthetics revolution in that you could train 
to not look like a kind of professional bodybuilder with a kind of bubble gut and the the, yeah. the kind of almost drug drug induced look yeah. but you could have that kind of lean aesthetic athletic looking physique that was still very muscular but very lean and you could kind of look like that year round and that really attracted attracted me and caught caught my attention so that was where my kind of fitness journey started and it wasn't actually until 2017 Kyle that that's when you're kind of speaking about where my brother and I started to post on Instagram as the the Cambros so the Campbell brothers and we just started posting maybe January 2017 after we well Ian 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 wasn't a wasn't hugely into it he quite he still enjoyed his training he's in fantastic shape himself but he's not somebody that is was that fussed about the content creation side or the posting side and and you'll know yourselves from trying to grow a page you need to be extremely consistent and the quality of what you're producing needs to be really high and it was really kind of falling on on me to do that and his enjoyment wasn't there so after a few months it just became Cambro um, because the brand was already quite strong we'd grown a few thousand followers by that point so I've been posting ever since pretty much most most days I've, I've scaled it back a little bit now just in line with work and I'm at a stage where I've grown enough where I just really want to impact the people I've got rather than reach anyone else particularly um so as short a story as i can give there in terms of my fitness um, journey that that is so interesting the reason i say that it was probably a perfect point to end that is because you ended up talking about about uh, impacting your your followers and that leads on to what we wanted to talk about today was creating a personal brand and uh Obviously, I know uh, David will know this just as well as I will, uh, regardless if that's in your personal life, your social media life, um, like creating a business. Um, the, having a personal brand is all about staying consistent to your values and creating the, the way that you want other people to perceive you. So um, just kind of diving in um, a bit into kind of personal branding. Um, what when you started off initially, and maybe has that changed over the years? But what was your main focus, and what did you want to try and achieve when it came to um, your kind of own values and getting portrayed that on social media and with your job, etc.? Of course, I think the personal brand that I've generated or created through social media is one that I can still have within the business world as well, and there's a lot of values that kind of crossover between the two so by that I would mean that the person that I am on Instagram is similar to the person I am on LinkedIn as much as possible um so fitness calling and corporate calling they're, they're hopefully there hopefully is an overlap in terms of the values that I have and those primarily are that hardworking, diligent well well versed in what you're well speaking about yeah, well, hopefully, nice hopefully, Kyle. We, we, we enjoy a, we enjoy a nice suit in this podcast, so uh, you're very welcome. Because I know that you you enjoy enjoy a good suit yourself. That's it. I had I got the pinstripe out for the first time when I turned twenty seven. So I think I think that's the the age you get to when you're able to do that. Maybe maybe you've done it already, Kyle. But do you know what? I felt like I, I maybe <laughs> jumped in too deep, but I know I know for a fact David's got one as well. So yeah. he's <laughs> laughing over there. <laughs> brilliant so in terms of that personal brand it's about the the values that you've got and presenting those authentically to your audience whether that is linkedin whether that's instagram or whether that's in person as well because ultimately if your audience across multiple channels see the same calling and they see the same values they resonate with that and 
I don't necessarily think you need to have a social media presence to build a personal brand. You can build a personal brand in person within your office, within your sector, well, which you're operating. Mate. Absolutely, right. And in your op- in your office as well. I think even just the way your your colleagues perceive you, the type of person you are, the way that you go about your business, the way that you stay consistent, um, maybe that's something that you can resonate with, David. Well, it's, that, it's that famous quote from Jeff Bezos, which I love, and it's that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. True. Yeah. And I, 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 I think it's 100% right because your personal brand is almost like your character at the end, to a certain extent. I don't know if you would agree with that. Totally agree. And you know what the funny thing is about that is when I started my online coaching, so I'm about seven months into my official online coaching now and the biggest thing that I wanted to um, to kind of help young professionals um, in the fitness area who are time poor, who are lacking the, the real knowledge to get into shape, um, that was something that I felt so passionately about and because I know that both of you have lived through this as well really having minimal time to really focus your efforts into fitness and stuff like that and having friends and stuff like that in the exact same position I just felt that I really wanted to try and help other people and that was something I've stayed consistent with the whole way through everything all the content that I put out is all for young professionals and obviously that encompasses a lot of different things whether that be entrepreneurs or whether that just be people um, who are hard working around about our our age so maybe that kind of 25 to 35 40 age group Um, but staying consistent to that across my again my LinkedIn again my um, Instagram etc but my coaching as well is all based around the same focus and that's about helping people uh, get into shape so totally totally agree um, I don't know if you have anything to comment on that Colin yeah certainly I think that 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 word consistency is valuable across so many different lessons in life and when you're speaking about consistency of your content that's that's really important as well because I've helped a couple of people just pretty much informally uh, with personal brand particularly when you get to kind of 10,000 followers you get a lot of questions because you suddenly start to get more maybe affiliate deals and a lot of people are like oh how did that happen and they assume it's an overnight success but it's far from that you've been posting every day for for years replying to dms replying to comments trying to give as much value as possible and from a consistency perspective you need to say to people that you need to show up even when the posts aren't banging and they aren't going viral because if you're only doing it for that you're not going to last very long in in the space because the way Instagram is now particularly, you need to work very, very hard and you're almost better off with a, a smaller, more engaged, supportive following than you are with this massive audience that don't really care that much about your stuff because you haven't really been consistent with your message at that time. So you see people flip-flop all the time between different messages or different values and they switch all the time, whereas you need to maybe try and be consistent. And your message, Kyle, is very much that you want to, help people get in shape that are in your in a particular demographic and that's valuable but if you suddenly started posting about uh helping ladies help, help, yeah if you start posting about ladies something i'm thinking bikini <laughs> models is that what we're going to go for i'm thinking about it i'm thinking if, that might be my new demographic if you've got that on the brain <laughs> kyle fair play to you but um for for, for for me if you suddenly if you suddenly switched in terms of the kind of demographic you were trying to support your audience would immediately start to question why has he done that and what's his value so i've always 
this, this, this is maybe not the best example, but I've always been a big advocate of my protein. And when I started to work with them formally in terms of an affiliate sponsorship, it was only natural. I'd never ever shown things like bulk powders or other available brands. I'd always been recommending one particular brand. So when I then said to the people that were in my audience, swipe up and use my code, it wasn't inauthentic. And I didn't sell out to a brand that didn't mean anything or I hadn't previously recommended, even when there was no fiscal return in it for me previously. So I think that consistency is important. You do see a lot of guys suddenly put up a t-shirt that you've never heard of before in some brand new report saying, oh, I've got a 10% discount code. And you, you know fine well that the only reason they're doing that is for the money and there's no consistency in their values or their standards at that point. We actually had this conversation literally five minutes before we started this conversation, didn't we, David? And no. it was all about uh, basically getting to a point where you can scale your bit, scale your um, social media, Instagram, for example, and you get people messaging you and saying, oh, do you know what? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to take a fit, fitness example and say, do you know what? If you sell my T-shirt, like, I'll give you 10%. See if you genuinely put a price on like your time and making two pound twenty off a twenty-two pound t-shirt. Yeah, there's so much more time you could put into doing something a lot more valuable, and uh, that's something that I've definitely stayed true to since I've started. Because I know for a fact, with a lot smaller following than you do, I've I've even been getting the messages. So I actually hate to think what your inbox is like with the amount of affiliate marketers coming your way. It's a copy and paste job. You'll probably get the similar number. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right, actually. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, we we obviously touched up, we touched a bit upon it there, um, and it was all about consistency. But what a lot of people buy into is um, obviously other people, and that's all about being genuine and authentic with your content. What you tend to find, and that actually links into exactly what we're talking about there, is um, if you are not genuine, and it is all about the money, and uh, you're, if, there's no point getting involved specifically in any business if you're just all about the money, because it's going to take you down an absolutely uh, wrong path. So um, tell, tell, a bit, tell us a bit about maybe how that's impacted your brand across the time. So I, th- I think if you're talking about maybe like selling out or um, switching your message or going going off on another track and, and not being authentic, it's a really easy thing to see because your engagement will reflect that and the number of genuine comments that you get on your post, number of genuine replies you get to your stories will dramatically decrease if you post something which is not authentic and people immediately kind of smell a rat in terms of no, you, you, you never talk about this stuff. You never promote this stuff. Why are you talking about it now? And, and rightfully so, because I wouldn't have any of the kind of financial opportunities I have through that page if it wasn't for the people that were first liking my stuff when it was what I was actually wanting people to see. So when I was talking about fitting in workouts in a busy day, when I was talking about different approaches to nutrition when you're traveling with work, that's 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 the real me and if i suddenly switched away completely from that and i started to just post adverts or or paid promotions then inevitably you might still get some business and some people follow you but a lot of the people that supported you from the start who you should be thankful for would drift away and they would question why they'd why they'd kind of invested their their time in reading your posts liking them commenting on them in the past so i think you owe it to yourself but also to the people that have 
I, th- I think the term would be if, if they fucked with you from the start, that you should you should you you should, you should try and give back to them as much as possible and appreciate. Sometimes things do switch, so there is a potential that I will do a bit more CrossFit style training on my page in the future. But I've been quite clear about why my reason behind doing that, and it won't be a case of me switching to a CrossFit gym and suddenly promoting memberships to a gym or anything like that. It'll be a case of I'm trying to maybe do some more functional stuff. This is what my approach is going to be, and it'll be an educational. A piece from a from my from my audience as well rather than just a a flick of a switch and a change of your values see in terms of personal brand though do, do you not think there is a point for some people i suppose it depends on what kind of line of business that you're in or in particular two examples i would use in sport is that some people might need to actually take a look at their character and say well people aren't buying into my personality here i need to change things up for example like floyd mayweather right massive multi multi millionaire touching on the billions changed from pretty boy floyd to money May- money mayweather and mm-hmm. everyone went from loving watching them to wanting to even more people want to watch them but watch them to get beat and i know it's kind of a different thing we're talking about here because obviously your whole thing is about authenticity and that's how you gain your followers and people are in- getting engaged but i think there is a there is a line where depending on what you are publicizing or what you're wanting to strive in doing that you need to say, wow, people are not buying into me here. I need to change this. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I think you could, you have to be able to pivot, I suppose. And I guess there's been times when I've adapted within the three years that I've been posting consistently, where you do have to tailor your message. So in the past, like I would have been one of these guys that was super against uh, maybe meal plans, but I've evolved where. For busy workers, sometimes a meal plan is the best option as long as there's education behind yeah, what's yeah. in the meal plan in terms of calories and whatnot. And I would have def- and and it, funnily off the back of that other comment, I would have posted memes previously making fun of CrossFit. But I might evolve and and move towards that. But I think in terms of like pivoting to the extent that I would completely change my branding, I don't. I think it might be necessary for some people certainly. But I've overall. I'm very much of the mind that if you if you like me, great, please follow my stuff. But I, I can't be everything to everyone. And I also don't mind not appealing to certain audiences that maybe will never like me unless I fundamentally change, yeah. like unless I fund, fundamentally switch. I certainly know that I could be more popular. Everyone knows that you could have a bigger Instagram if I posted my photos topless more often. I would get more get more followers. But I've already had enough for that, mate. I've I've had far you've <laughs> too many. I was actually thinking of unfollowing you because of it. <laughs> agreed, agreed. But sometimes, obviously, you need you still need to use your physique sometimes to draw attention to a caption that's important. And if it's related to it, that's fantastic. But if you if you fundamentally pivot what you stand for, it needs to be something you believe yourself, I suppose, David. So I guess the Mayweather example, he probably saw that it was an opportunity for him but also maybe he just started to live that as well in terms of like i'm, I'm money mayweather and that's 100%. as long as he could live with himself then i'm th- okay with it i think kind of obviously kyle you'd mentioned if you're all about the money it's probably not for you but for some people it actually is all about the money and that mother example was going to be i'm obviously i'm quite into the ufc i uh, okay. don't know if you just watch it but kobe covington was about to get released from the ufc and he totally changed his thing and just started I think it was in one of the, the UFCs in Brazil and just started slating all the Brazilians and it just all of a sudden drew so much attention to him. And now he's in the top five 
within the lightweight division. Yeah. Loads of media attention him around him. Was in the the White House because he does this stupid stuff with President Trump, like Trump hats and all this. Big Trump supporter, and it's just totally changed his whole his whole thing. But everyone hates him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's totally changed his life, obviously. Yeah, of course, and. Uh, that's, I guess that's his personal brand now, isn't it? But, yeah, exactly. Um, that's the whole thing. It's, it's, it's an interesting one because, as you say, Colin, yours is all about authenticity and you can probably physically bring yourself to change that, but you don't need to because people buy into you probably yeah, because you to, 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 to a large extent, the people that I want to buy into me as, as much as possible, and I, I, I appreciate every, every bit of support I get, but obviously uh, some people might not buy into me at different times in their life as well. I, I've had people unfollow me who had been uh, maybe quite intense supporters because they weren't as into their fitness anymore or they weren't as into uh, working in business anymore and they, they, they found my content unhelpful and that's that, that, that happens as well but I guess I, I just try and stay true to where I am personally at that point and if I fluctuate a little bit with some opinions then I can do that. Do you know what do like in your time as like obviously a, a pretty influential person on Instagram would you say that you've had any failures along the time, along your kind of career as uh, influencing and, and, and fitness in general that that probably relates to your personal branding? Maybe things that you've done externally that probably don't fit in with your branding? Yeah, that's 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 a really good question. I guess in terms of failures, I never I never set out to build a page that was an influencer page. I don't actually, I'm not a huge fan of the term, but that's the only term that can really be used for that niche now. This is funny you say that because our last <laughs> guest said exactly the same thing. And that, do you know, I, I think that it's probably got terminology of being quite derogatory to some extent now because it probably has a lot of uh, terms associated associated with it that maybe aren't that positive in general yeah. because it might, you're flogging things and stuff like that, which you shouldn't be in. Whereas personally, I would look as an influencer as anyone that influences me to make positive change in my life. So I suppose that that's just the way I look at it. And I would look at you as an influencer because you, your content has a positive effect on what I want to do and what I want to achieve. Yeah, I, I, I respect that. And that's the, that's the term that we're, we're in, particularly micro influencers, I think have a better reputation, particularly with businesses that use them to, to reach their, their following and they're much less likely to quote unquote sell out. So I, I would I would say that in terms of failures, I, I never really set out to like I say be an influencer or be somebody that uh, made money from my page. It was just a bit of an outlet for me to be creative and speak about something I was passionate about and speak on an area and tell people about something that I I cared about and think that people can learn from. So I don't think I've got mass amount of failures. I guess. Um, there's times I, I definitely wish I'd started a podcast earlier, for example. Um, I, I delayed on that because I think Instagram is a great platform in many ways, but you can have longer, more developed conversations that like we're having today on podcasts. So I would I would have wished I'd started that sooner. I would have maybe wanted to work with uh, some of the brands I'm working with sooner if that had been possible because from a from a credibility perspective, it's very good and it gives my audience a benefit because they follow me, they get a discount for brands that they probably use anyway. They get access to deals. I think that's a, a positive thing from the page, but I don't think overall there's been any massive failures. And I think that pretty much all of my 1,400 posts that I've put on that page have been fairly true to what I think or what I thought at that time, hopefully. Mm-hmm. 
I would agree. You have to live and breathe your your brand in, in, to some extent. There's a lot um, online about what you what you obviously links into authenticity at the end of the day, but what you do on your page and then what you do in your normal life. If I, I just I hate to see people that um, preach so much online about one thing and then you see them out doing something that totally goes against it and um i think that's that that's just that's something you need to get round with like personal branding in general and it's staying true and it links into my next point about kind of telling a story and living and breathing that so for me it would be young professional life so being time poor and being um being able to enjoy yourself at the weekend so for me uh, if i was to tell the story of people coming onto my plan, for example, and yeah. they, they turn around to me and they say, oh, I'm allowed to drink. And I go, I oh, don't do you know what, you're not, not allowed to drink. We all know that being a young professional is going out for drinks after work, having a drink with your pals at the weekend. If I was to turn around and go, no, you're not actually allowed to uh, have, obviously I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it in that way, but no, drinking's not allowed in the plan. I would be going totally against the whole reason I started this. The main reason I wanted to uh, introduce like the kind of niche of young professionals is because obviously uh, I would say it was sli- slightly harder for us working long hours. Um, the, obviously the office diet, we've covered all that, but the drinking element of it as well. So if I was to turn around and say, no, you're not allowed to drink, I'd just be going totally against what I preach on a day-to-day basis. I couldn't imagine you've got easy working hours, Colin, or are you just kind of nine to five? I'll, I'll be honest that we, we, we are, we are very much nine to five. Um, I will be in the office earlier than that just because I work better first thing in the morning, but I've always been, and in saying that there is time when I travel to meetings in previous roles, I've had a lot more travel. So in my role, when I finished outside of uni, my accounts were all across the north of the UK with a couple dispersed beyond that as well. But for my role in my current company, I'm, my all my prospective clients are uh, around around Scotland. So the furthest I go is really Aberdeen and Inverness, and most of the time you do that in a day. So hours are not absolutely terrible. I've always been somebody that when you're working in the office or when I'm working at home, I put a hard stop at five o'clock because that's my kind of time when I say I promise myself that I'll be productive up to that point and then I'll close the laptop and I'll go and do something else and I'll be I'll do something fitness related that's most of the time I'll go I'll go to the gym at, at, at five obviously COVID-19 exempt I will try to have a hard stop but hours wise it's not it's not terrible I think you can be really productive in the time that you are online and ultimately especially if I'm looking to speak to decision makers at businesses it tends to be within working hours. Appreciate sometimes you have networking events or mm-hmm. uh, seminars that you go to from a personal development perspective. And I do invest in that. I also have my uh, professional qualifications in insurance. It's a uh, pretty much par for the course in my space that you would study for first of all, your certificate of insurance, then your diploma and potentially your advanced diploma. So I'm doing my diploma at the moment. So that does take up some time, but I wouldn't say, I don't, I don't think I'm as time poor as maybe uh, some of my friends that work in law, uh, for example. They, 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 mm. they're extremely time poor. Um, I guess I'm just quite routine in terms of at five o'clock, unless I'm working on a, a, an impending deadline, I'll try and be productive in the hours that I'm in the office because I think you can get so much done if you just work hard within that period rather than spilling out your day to, to hours and hours and hours beyond that. Totally agree with you totally agree with you and i think that's something that's actually quite 
people don't have that kind of work ethic though. Uh, and I yeah. think you've hit the nail on the head there. Like sometimes, see when people say, oh, I've got so much work. I think really if you were to just not take your wee tea breaks, not have your conversations with, you know, folk in the office, you can get majority of the work that you need to get done, done. You can meet your deadlines, no bother. If anything, you can get your projects done well in advance, in my opinion, anyway. anyway. And I think you've kind of just pretty much said that there as well, Colin. Fitness is a huge part of that. And the the fact that I'm quite disciplined and routined in my fitness, I brought that across to my work life. And that wasn't always the case in terms of, it's probably the last year at university where I, I was, I was, I'd always been training, but I really got a focus on structure, routines, habits. And I brought that focus to work. And I worked from home in, in, in my first role after university for four years. And having that focus working from home and a lot of people at the moment during COVID-19 will be able to relate. It's very difficult if you don't have that structure in place. And me having that kind of agreement where at five o'clock I would finish, but in the time before that I would be productive was was huge. See, just going off the back of that, uh, Colin, well, I suppose you kind of touched on this a wee bit earlier on, but do you think it's important to be consistent in your approach both online and offline? Yeah, I, th- I think I think that maybe links back into that authenticity point where we're speaking about Instagram fitness calling, the same as corporate calling on LinkedIn in terms of the the values that I try to portray. So I try to be, and then and then that links obviously into the, into offline calling in terms of who I yeah. am when you meet me in person. And I've definitely been lucky enough to meet a lot of people who know me through social media, through collaborations at gyms, or even meeting somebody from LinkedIn that you've, that you've, that you've messaged for a coffee or even a, a, even a prospect meeting that you've secured through LinkedIn, trying to make sure that you are the same person in, 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 that, in, bo- in both environments. One of the ways I think I've tried to make sure of that is, I, d- I don't know about you guys, but I think you feel you know somebody that you follow better when they use video content. I certainly don't use a lot of video content on LinkedIn, but on, on Instagram, when I've got the time, and that's uh, I've already I've said I'm not too time poor, but when I've got the time to film and speak to the camera on stories, I think your audience get to get a better understanding of who you are and what your mannerisms are, how you speak. So when they see you in person, and <laughs> this is quite funny, I've, I've I have I have bumped into people. Obviously, you're in the fitness industry in Glasgow. You train a lot of different gyms. You've got a decent following. People will say, "Oh, I, I follow you. Like my name's such and such," and they've said, oh, you are the same as you are on Instagram. And that's refreshing. Actually, one of the guys that I actually, I know him quite well now, he, he jokes, I, I'm rubbish at taking photos because I look bigger in person than I do on Instagram. And that is the opposite. That is the opposite <laughs> of what I'm trying to achieve. I'm trying to look bigger and more muscular on Instagram, not in person. So um, shout out to John if he listens to this. He, uh, he, he, he said that to me when I met him at Exercise for Less. He thought that was hilarious. Um, but I think that, offline that online persona that you've got if it's not who you are in person and i know lots of not to fire any shots but i've got been at, at, at meetups with my protein muscle food hustle and the people who are quite high energy in their story they're bouncing about sometimes that's not who they really are and i would find that mentally exhausting switching between the two so I try and bring the real me to my social media because ultimately, if I can't look in the mirror and say, oh, I was true to myself, then that, I'm not going to be that comfortable with it. And if I do meet somebody and they say, oh, Colin's really 
chatty and helpful on social media, but you meet him in person and he doesn't even look at you, like can't make eye contact and he can't, he, uh, he doesn't, he, he doesn't want to talk about, about fitness. He actually just wants to talk about w- whatever else. That's, that's not, that's not authentic. And I, I wouldn't really be comfortable doing that. And I think there's a lot of people who are guilty of that. And that's, that's unfortunate for them. Something that's really taken my, um, a, a real notice of mine recently is like branding, i.e. colors or logos, um, like affiliated around this, like a person. So I actually follow quite a few like graphic designers and stuff like that. And they say like people buy into like, and, and have an association with something. So probably in the last couple of months, actually, my color now is, um, so what my value is is young professionals. So getting young professionals into shape, what my color is, is orange. So orange was just something that, I don't know, kind of came um, quite naturally. I don't know if that would just a color I, I like in general, but people probably buy into that kind of color now. So I'm trying to make sure that all my marketing is, is it revolves around that. Has that been something that you've seen kind of change or have you got something that people probably associate with your content in general? Yeah, I, I guess I'm very consistent in my color schemes on my stories. So my text is always blue or white or red and that may or may not link to the football team I support. Well, so that's I'll, why we invited John. I, uh, I, <laughs> so a lot of... Um, a lot of people will will, will know that I'm a, I'm a I'm a football fan. I'm a Rangers fan, and a lot of my coloring is 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 like that. So when even when people share like when they use my my protein code, they'll write in the blue text and they'll say MP call whatever. I used it for your orders, my order, and I guess people associate that that kind of that blue with me. Um, I've got a cons- there's lots of things that I do on my stories that people will tag me in. So. I eat a lot of saurine loaf, so like malt loaf. And so sometimes people will tag me when they're eating that on their story. Uh, they'll tag me in. I always joke that rather than buying Kellogg's cereal, you should buy the council version, so the supermarket version. And uh, I used to always, when I was saving for the deposit for my, my flat, I would always say, save your money on uh, on Kellogg's, put the money into a saving account, get yourself a gaff. And people would, would, would joke about that. I uh, And they would tag me in, them having big bowls of council pop cereal so that's 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 i guess another thing white monsters when they first got involved in the scene i used to every day before going to the gym i would do a fridge walk so this is a few years ago now i would do a fridge walk so i would walk to the fridge with a song on and i would open up the monster before my pre-workout and love that man love that a lot of people would tag me in monsters and now that i work with with muscle food, they do monsters on their site, 12 crates. So again, that kind of lines up that I'm promoting something that I've always been about and always been involved in. So I think little things like that. So three or four products that people associate that you use a lot, they'll start to associate that with you. So um, some of my most engaged posts, one of them like just completely organically, I had like four big boxes, like 750 gram boxes or like kilo boxes of, of cereal like me carrying them into the house and just, just silly, just silly stuff like that. Being like, Oh, are you stocked up for, for your post-workout cereal? Silly stuff like that is what people start to associate you with. But also it comes back to that consistency point where as long as you have always done that and you don't suddenly start doing it for a monetary gain, then people, people will respect that. Hopefully. I would love to hear your, your, um, 
your opinion on this and actually for David as well. So this is me being really open and honest. I think these podcasts are probably quite good for this sort of thing. So I get I get uh, approached by um, a a Rangers page, so a Rangers FC page called Rangers on Tour. So right. you're probably aware of them. You probably follow them. Um, I think they've got like 132,000 followers wow. on on Instagram. Um, and they basically just said to me, "We would love for you to be involved in our mental health campaign." And uh, I said, do you know what, that sounds great. Obviously, that's one of my kind of values is making sure health in general, so encompassing physical and mental health, uh, is really important to me. And uh, they came back to me and said, yeah, do you know what, all we're looking for you to do is make, make some videos for our, for our followers and stuff like that. And uh, we'll push it out onto to social media. So it's kind of linking into COVID in general, people staying at home and getting into and trying to get in, into shape and staying staying active so i'm going to show you on the screen at the moment uh, just kind of one of the kind of things that i was doing and it was Great. just like basically making making home videos and stuff like that i had a, i had like kind of a lot of thoughts around how supporters of other teams would portray that if they ever saw it and obviously i'm coming public about it now it's like i'm coming out about it all which it's not really meant to be like that but i would be really interested to know if that would like you obviously say you use like red white and blue yeah. think that has an impact and obviously we live in glasgow which is like one of the biggest divided cities in in the world great like point. when it comes to football great point that was something that i genuinely kept thinking about like so people see that i'm, I'm affiliated to a football club absolutely nothing to do with the fact that like religion or anything i'm a massive massive football fan in general and i just kind of was like oh no like celtic fans are never going to join my program and i'm it's like what am i thinking about here that surely is me being more authentic yeah if you i get a pretty um pretty good amount of banter when there's a bad rangers result not never i've never really had anything particularly offensive just people maybe like laughing faces replying to your story or like if it's before like a game and I put like I'm, I'm going to it and they're like oh how was that for you and stuff like that so it's just been it's been pretty good natured like I probably had maybe two or three unpleasant messages off the back of it before and and you just brush it off because often it's people that don't even follow you anyway that, have, that maybe know that you're a Rangers fan they've gone on to do that and I I I I don't have a, any way of any way of telling, but I suspect it's a it's it's a pretty even split between people that follow me and uh, that support Rangers and people that don't. Um, and it certainly hasn't impacted me negatively. I, I think there's a lot of connotations that come with the old firm rivalry, but I don't really put that onto my onto my story. Like when I do Q and A's, I do get asked some funny questions about football, like, "Oh, do you think you're going to win the league this year?" or um, what drink of Gerard, that kind of stuff, and then even even down to like, would you date a Celtic fan and stuff like that? So it's uh, you do you do get the odd funny question, but it's never been an issue for me, and I think it feeds into that authenticity where you show how you like you've got an affiliation with something and that you're you're happy to show it. If it, I think it'd be worse if you were hiding it. I appreciate you're collaborating like officially, yeah. but if you were to hide the fact that you were into football and that you maybe go to Ibrox every second Saturday, then I think that says more about um about you than than about the audience. 
you cannot win with everybody and your content does not appeal to every single person and I think that's the most important thing about it all I I know for a fact that our podcast if, if you're not interested in fitness you're not going to like what we post and you know what you probably got you, you'll be the same people from school people from university people from your work and stuff like that they're not going to buy into what you you kind of stand for so if they don't want to follow you then do you know what hit the unlike button that's <laughs> I, I would rather have people that genuinely bought into my content, listening to the podcast, etc., that bought into me and uh, and David and the values that we stand for. Um, but I just wanted to to ask you, uh, probably putting you in the spot a little bit. Um, we always ask for tips because obviously we want kind of tangibility with uh, the podcast and people to have takeaways f- f- from uh, what we're talking about. If you were, because I know you're a massive, I know you're right into personal branding in general and you've obviously got a great following. Give us a few, maybe three tips. So three tips uh, for people to maybe think about their personal branding um, or people to maybe improve their personal branding. I think the first point to consider when you're looking to build a personal brand is credibility so we'll start off with the letter c c for colin so credibility so you need to be credible on the subject that you're going to speak about because if not then why should people take what you've got to say about it seriously now that's not to say that you need to be at the absolute top of that game or that industry but you need to have some sort of credibility and some sort of kudos behind what you're saying so practice what you preach to some extent now, that's, this is maybe going to trigger some people, but I wouldn't hire a morbidly obese personal trainer for my own goals. But if you were somebody that was heavily obese and you saw somebody that had maybe gone from that to slightly less obese and slightly more healthy, that might be a personal trainer that you would hire because they've done that part of the journey. But where I'm at with my fitness, I would be hiring somebody that's absolutely top tier and has credibility in that respect. Likewise, in, in insurance corporate sales, I'm not going to ask the guy that's missed his target the last three years to help me. I'm going to ask the guy that's signing bigger deals than me, the guy that's opening the door to businesses that have said they never want to speak to my company, but he's still doing it because I want to find out how he's doing it and learning from him. So credibility is a, is a, is a huge point. The, the second point, we'll go for another C, we'll go for consistency. So we've spoken about consistency to death in the pod so far, but Ultimately, you need to keep showing up day after day, month after month, year after year, and people will respect you for that because your brand will be consistent and they will understand what they're going to get from you. You kind of, it does what it says on the tin. So I know if I follow Kyle, that he's going to post about how to get in shape as a busy professional. You're not suddenly going to throw in a post about um, salsa dancing and everyone be like, what, what, I didn't sign up for this. Why are you telling me about that? So consistency of message and consistency of values. And the third, we'll go for another C. We'll go for collaborations. So collaborate with people that are similar to you. So one of the ways I grew my audience initially was I collaborated with lots of different fitness people within Glasgow, within Scotland, within Edinburgh, kind of around the area. I'd go go for a training session. We'd get some photos. We'd get some footage and you would collaborate. Now, don't get me wrong, I collaborated with some people that I never saw again because we just didn't click and we, 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 weren't, we weren't on the same page. But some of my closest friends now are people I collaborated with in 2017. I've been on holiday with people that I met in 2017. I've uh, been to people's birthdays, people's parties based on 
going for a gym session off the back of an Instagram DM. So collaborations are a great way to meet like-minded people and grow that kind of circle, another C, and effectively just get yourself in a in a position where you meet a lot of people but start to reach their audience as well. And if they like them and you're of a similar demographic and a similar mindset, then they'll follow you too. And that's how you can grow from a, a kind of a collaborative perspective in my opinion no i think those points are absolutely insane i think actually the fact that you managed to keep them all to c's as well was oh. highly highly uh, i love it i love alliteration if you, if, day, if, you look, if you look at my instagram page it's all alliteration all the captions oh, mate are we looking out for it for sure that's it i'll be going straight onto the page and finding out what the what what you can do with kyle uh, well i'm going to leave that for another podcast david <laughs> see for someone that's uh, going to set up so th- this is actually going to hold you accountable and accountability is a big big value of mine I like uh, making sure that people are held accountable not only myself by having mentors but also my clients um having me as someone to be accountable to so david you plan to kind of uh, re-energize your whole social media yep. name g- give me give me a few kind of things that you're going to focus on in the back of this pod and on the back of uh, the pod we had with neil talking about digital marketing i listened to that one with neil as well that was really good gents really good oh, right. cheers thank you very much really good one. um i think the important takeaway from neil's actually from for me when i'm going to try and kind of grow my following a wee bit is focus on the engagement and not the actual followers themselves. Um, and how I'm planning on doing that is something we obviously spoke about, Kyle. I've, I've always kind of used my Instagram just as a personal private page. I'm now going to kind of revamp it completely, have a proper bio, link to the podcast, make, make it public, um, kind of try, try and draw some attention from my personal profile onto our Health and Hustle uh, page. Uh, and I think it's really down to structure if I'm honest, and not just being erratic. Like you just said a minute ago, Colin, add value to what people are actually looking at. Don't just, for example, go from having a bit of structure to then, like you're going to go on Kyle's page because it's fitness related and you know what his posts are going to be about. You're not going to go on there and expect to see a video of him salsa dancing. Well, (laughs) I was going to say, this is something that I was interested in. (laughs) No, I'm not joking. (laughs) I thought you were going to end up being serious. Um, <laughs> no, no, I can't. I can't dance, mate. Sorry. No, on on a point you mentioned there, you obviously Neil mentioned that when he transitioned from events management from the events guy to the Facebook ads guy, he yeah. lost followers. So yeah. guaranteed, you're going to go turn your page into health and the hustle kind of the value stand stand for young professionals, young entrepreneurs, um, fitness business, etc you're going to lose followers 100%. I have no doubt there's going to be people that you went to school with are like, sack this man. I'm not interested in that whatsoever. That's fine. They don't need to be there for the journey though. You'd rather, you'd rather people that were engaged. So Neil's example was great. But he lost 220, didn't he? But he gained an extra, however many that were actually there for that content. So you'd rather that. And I know, I know online coaches, Kyle, in, in your space that make more money than guys than a particular couple of guys in Glasgow that have hundreds of thousands of followers because their values and their posts are, are crap. Whereas the guys with the smaller niche followings have give out value every single day about fitness and nutrition. And when they ask people, they say, I'm opening up this um, online coaching program. They get full, they have waiting lists because they give value every day, not because they just post uh, shredded selfies that they, that they regurgitate year round. 
totally agree, mate. Totally agree. So, David, are you going to add uh, a, a colour to your social media? Are you going to add... Um, <laughs> could I, I, tell us a bit more. You know what? I might. I'm going to... Obviously, can I was talking to you about it the other day. I've got, I've got a kind of wee list, as Charlie Johnson would say, uh, <laughs> on, on my structure that going forward, whether it's going to be kind of lifestyle, podcast-related travel, whatever it's going to be. Um, and that, that, that's, I'm planning on kind of re- rearranging it this week. I had a wee kind of dabble in my bio um, the other day. Uh, and I, to see, to be fair, it's already looking at that, that bit better. Um, but I think it's about getting rid of all the, the nonsense on it because it is going to be now a public page and actually adding some value onto people that are going to follow us and drive them onto this podcast. Love it, mate. Love it. In, anything to scale this podcast, that's all we're interested in. And then the money. Because that's all we're interested in as well. <laughs> Obviously, not, not, the, the money. We've, we've not made any money because that was never our intention. Yeah. Um, no, before we do finish up, uh, touching on what we said at the start, I think we need to start challenging the pod. Oh, how, how do you feel about this, Colin? So, what we're thinking, this is our thoughts, we're going to make it public, is we're going to start challenging other podcasts to different tasks during COVID. And we're going to try and kind of, obviously, it's going to be good for, beneficial for people's podcasts as well. So we'll just tag in it. We'll say, right, do you know what? How many press-ups can you do in a minute? Or something like that. Something kind of fitness business related or be interested in that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get involved with that, gents, as long as it's not too difficult a challenge. Well, um, I see you, you've done a, a 5K for the first time a long time the other day. Oh, yeah, that was hard. That was really hard. So... I hadn't run since I played rugby, so 2012-13. Yeah, you hadn't I, run in, in what, eight years? Pretty much, honestly. So all my cardio when, I was, when I'm doing my aesthetic side of things is pretty much steps or, yeah. or like kind of hit-style hit circuit training to burn a few more calories, and it's, and it's very rare that I even do that. So <laughs> it was a bit of a challenge. I actually I did okay. The only problem I had was my shins were sore. My engine actually is quite good in terms of I can work in quite high rep ranges, so I and I, I still I stay relatively lean year round, so I'm quite efficient in that respect. But my shins started to get really, really sore, and they were sore the next day, and I haven't run since, so that's probably. But the time was respectable enough. I was like twenty three forty, which I was I was pleased to break twenty five minutes because I I was worried I wouldn't do that. I think that's already. I think only uh, David here is probably he's he's about thirty five minutes, so don't worry about oh, that. Man. Yeah, I'll smash your time anyway. <laughs> Mate, I'm I'm tw- twenty twenty one seventeen or something, so uh, I'll, I'll wait and see. That's pretty I'll quick. That's pretty quick. <laughs> um, Colin, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. We've absolutely loved having you on. I think it's you, you've given so much insight into not only your own branding, um, your own personal branding, but uh, how other people can start to look. Um, at their own the way that they portray themselves only in social media but obviously in their day-to-day lives as well Colin where can where can people find you thanks very much for having me on guys the best place to find me first of all would be Instagram and it's call.cambro and then I've got the podcast which I've started which is Cambro Conversations and you can find that on Apple or Spotify I can confirm that your podcast is absolutely brilliant mate so very very well done i know you're only a few episodes in but a very very positive start so um certainly one for for our listeners to get involved in thanks for that gents really pleased to be on today and i appreciate that 
Thank you. So um, as we end every podcast, uh, for every single person that leaves a review, you will receive a free coaching call with myself um, to talk anything to do with fitness, business, or nutrition. Um, follow us at healthinthehustle.podcast. And as we leave every single podcast, invest in yourself. Cheers, guys.